It's so good to be here. We uh, love uh, this church. We love all that God's doing amongst you. And again, I just want to say something that I said on Friday, and that is thank you to you as a sending church. You have been so gracious. Uh, you've been so giving. You've been so releasing of your leaders uh, to see not just this church built, but from this church, other churches being planted across Canada. And God wants you to know that he's got a great purpose for you here, that there's something of a seismic activity in the spirit that's happening. There's some explosions and continent-shaking tectonic plates that are moving and shifting and happening here so that not only do we see a fabulous church raised up here, sometimes when you get these uh, tectonic plates, when you get these shifting continents, suddenly a great mountain is thrust up and God is thrusting up a great mountain here in Fredericton. It's going to affect everything about the city, everything about the environment around, everything about the people here. Something amazing is happening. I don't know if you can feel it. I don't know if you can feel the mountains tremble, but right now they are trembling. There is a stirring in the spirit. Something very powerful is happening right now, but this is not just for you. It's not just for Fredericton. It's not just for New Brunswick. It's not even just for the Maritimes, although how that is so important. This is for the nation and the nations. This is something global happening from little old Fredericton. It's amazing, isn't it? From your city, from your town, from your area, something is springing up to affect the whole of the world. And that's what God's purpose is. He catches you up on world mission. He catches you up on world-changing events. So from this church, we're already seeing the church in Vancouver planted from here. We're starting to look, and tonight we're going to be praying at the tag team about another plant from here happening in Prince Edward Island in Charlottetown. Something's happening from here, and you need to know that you are affecting these things. Right? This is so important this is not just Joe's ministry. It's not Joe Crummy Ministries International. This is not Gary Gallant Ministries. Right? This is, this is the meeting place church. This is the church of Jesus Christ. This is the church here affecting things. And sometimes we can be so small in our thinking. We can be so introverted in our thinking. We can be so parochial in our thinking that we think, Actually, it's all about us, everything coming into us. Do you know what? It is all about you, but it's all about you getting caught up and going. Now, some of you may never physically go, but you're caught up in it nevertheless. The reason that Joe can go, that Gary can go, that Kevin can go, that these guys can get caught up on mission is because you're building and strengthening the church here, because you're being generous in your giving because you're praying and supporting, because you're running the, these parenting courses and alpha courses and strengthening the local church, because we're growing together, because the trunk of the tree is growing, the branches can spread far and wide. It ain't no good having branches without a trunk. They're just sticks on a floor. But with a strong trunk rooted locally, branches can go far and wide. And I want to prophesy over you that there's an acceleration in the spirit right now. Something is happening in God right now with you. You've been quite ponderous up to this point. 
You've been quite slow up to this point. You've been quite careful up to this point. There's been a lot of detail, a lot of gathering of information and gathering of people. And there's been a, a, a sense of foundation laying. And that does take time. It's not wrong that that's been slow. It's not wrong that that's been ponderous. It's actually been right because we've laid something solid and something firm and something of real foundations here. But the point of foundation is that we grow a building. And actually, as you so well know in this culture, digging down takes a lot of effort. Laying foundations takes a lot of time. But once you've laid it, suddenly something can emerge. And God is accelerating your progress. In the meeting this morning, I saw two or three powerful images. I saw a leaf, like a maple leaf, that was suddenly in the fall, caught up in a tornado. And uh, you know, you know the power of a tornado. You know the power of the wind. And you know the fragility of a little Canadian maple leaf. And you're caught up in something powerful. You're being caught up in something mighty. You're being caught up in a whirlwind of the Spirit. Something actually quite dangerous. Something actually quite frightening. And then I saw a twig caught up in the flood. Caught up in a fast-flowing river. Just this little twig, just this little thing that felt so uh, vulnerable, but suddenly being caught up, suddenly being taken somewhere in the spirit. And then I saw a dandelion. Do you have dandelions here? Is that... Yeah. I saw a dandelion seed just being taken and blown right across prairies, right across plains, right across... Listen, God is catching you up in something massive. Now, this is not the fate of nature. This is not just the wind of circumstances. This is not just a river that's flowing willy-nilly with no real function, no real course, no real purpose. This isn't just a dandelion. This is God's almighty hand getting hold of you and stirring something in you here which is going to be for the sake of the nation and the nations. This is a wonderful day to rejoice. And these aren't even any of my notes. (laughs) This is a wonderful day to rejoice in what God is doing. So we started on Friday looking at Passion for Jesus. We looked at the most dangerous book in the Bible, the Song of Songs, Song of Solomon. And we saw that God is stirring in us afresh, in his people afresh, a new passion for him. He's bringing us back to his first love. That's always what God does when he's on the edge of a powerful move of God. When he's on the edge of a powerful, violent, suddenly coming He moves us first back to himself. He revives us first in order that revival, God's powerful working, might come to a nation and from the nation to the nations. And God is doing this with you. He's bringing you back. He's drawing you back to his first love, to your first love, that you might be enraptured with Jesus, that you might know the beauty and the glory and the majesty and the power of the risen Lord Jesus, that you might know him and be known by him, that you might be found in him, that you might know that you're gloriously, even organically joined to Christ, that that's who you are, that you're caught up in this beautiful love relationship, this what Paul calls a marriage of Christ, married to Christ, joined to him. We're the bride of Christ joined to our lover, joined to him. And we took time on Friday to looking that God is calling us back to our first love. And that that comes from knowing his passion for us. That actually we love, why? Because he first loved us. He initiated something in our lives. He initiated something in us 
which actually then causes us to love him, propels us into his love because he first loved us. And God wants you to know, you've heard it time and time and time again this morning. How can we be so dull not to hear the voice of the Lord this morning? You must be dead this morning not to hear the voice of the Lord. And if you are dead this morning, we have a word for you, and that's this, arise, okay? Be alive now in Jesus' name. Get resurrected, because actually he's speaking so powerfully to his church about new life, about this whole sense of a glorious union with Christ that's going to inspire us forward. Knowing we're clean, knowing that he's done something wonderful in terms of the new birth, that we really are new creation in Christ. Knowing that we're loved and we're desired and called to devote ourselves to Jesus. We first come to him. One of the things that worries me so much is when I hear apostolic preaching about the mission and the nations and going without first coming to Jesus. That actually, what is going to fuel our fire of going? What's going to fuel our fire of seeing these things? It's not, oh, we need more churches in Canada. Come on. No, we need, no it's we love Jesus so much. We want his fame to be spread throughout the whole world. That we want, the reason that we go on mission is there's not enough worship to Jesus. There's not enough praising voices. There's not enough people from First Nations praising him. There's not enough people from Alberta praising him. There's not enough people from the prairies praising him. There's not enough people from the Maritimes praising him. There's not enough people from British Columbia praising him. We want praise from Canada to go to Jesus. That's what stirs us. That's what motivates us. Love for Jesus and love of Jesus. Now, we've got to be careful when we teach into these things that we don't just end up with an inactive church, a passive church, a kind of gooey-eyed teenage infatuation. I'm sure you don't get this in your great mature nation, but sometimes we get teenagers who think they're in love, but they're really infatuation. And actually, they just get in a corner together and he goes, oh, I love you. And she goes, oh, I love you. Oh, I love you. Oh, I love you. And it's just so it, bit insipid and a bit inward looking. And it's not love. It's not true love. Because true love always produces action, not inaction. It doesn't produce passivity. And something worries me sometimes when we talk about passion for Jesus, that it must stir us to action. This is a quote by Jack Deere, who wrote some amazing books on hearing the voice of God and being strong in the prophetic. He wrote this. I like the word passion because it stresses the emotional side of love. Passion can be defined as any kind of feeling by which the mind is powerfully affected or moved. A commanding or overpowering emotion. Passion is a feeling which moves the mind and the will into action. This must stir action in us. And in the Song of Solomon, there's so much activity going on. You'd think for a love poem, it would all about be love, lying in bed and doing stuff. <laughs> now, there is a bit of that, <laughs> I warn you. But actually, there's a lot of movement, there's a lot of activity in it. And we haven't got time to look at all this now. We might refer to you to a passage a bit later. But even it starts off in chapter 1, verse 4, and says, Draw me after you, let us run together. There's, there's, mo- there's momentum, there's movement, there's something that's happening here. Chapter 2, verse 10. My lover spoke to me, arise, my darling, my beautiful one. 
Come with me. You see this action? Now, I don't know if you've noticed. I don't know if you've got an ear to hear. It's probably because I'm preaching on this stuff, so I've got an ear to hear. Twice this morning, God spoke to us. Reese said this. I wrote it right down. Will you come after me? That's what he said he, as he was just kind of talking prophetically from God. Will you come after me? And then Gary, later, as he kind of prophesied on the back of what Joe was singing, and he said, will you go with me? Okay, and there's a question. God's asking you today, will you come with him? Arise, my lovely, will you go? Now, please don't think that necessarily means you'll move to Vancouver, although there are worse places. <coughs> please don't think that that will necessarily mean you moving house and home and taking the kids out of school. It may not mean any of that as we'll come to later, but there is nevertheless a movement in the purposes of God that God wants for you as his people. One of my favorite verses that Gary again quoted, perhaps I should have got Gary to preach, but Gary again quoted this morning, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. It says this, Christ's love compels us. There's something about loving Jesus. There's something about being enraptured with Jesus that compels us and moves us and motivates us onto the mission. I just want to highlight a few things that that does. First thing, I'll be very brief with this first point, but it actually motivates us to live for him. And that's so important that we are actually obeying him. See, that's, it's not the issue, should I go to Vancouver? Should I go to Prince Edward Island? Should I go here? The first is this, Jesus, what are you saying to me? And he might be saying, do you know I want you to clean up something in your life? I want you to start saying no to sin and yes to righteousness. See, we don't want people on the mission who aren't first surrendered to the authority of Jesus. Jesus said this, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Now, there's a power in that. It's not legalistic, if you love me, you better do it. It's if you love me. If there's love in your heart for me, that will propel you, move you to obey my commandments. See, loving Jesus produces life change within us. I've probably told you this story before, but I'll tell it again because it's fun. 30 years ago, when Don Smith was starting Hastings Christian Fellowship, as it was called then, we were quite early on in that. I joined just a few years or a few <coughs> moments into the starting of that church in the late 70s. That seems a long time ago, although for some of you it was just yesterday. <coughs> and one of the things that happened was uh, a young man, a, a young friend of mine there, his name was John, and uh, he was in the congregation there, and John was one of those guys, and again, I'm sure you don't have people like this in Canada. John was one of these guys who struggled a little with personal hygiene, let's say that. <clears throat> you know, you didn't want to be next to John in the meeting when we lifted our hands in worship. And, uh, you know, we tried everything. We tried the quiet word, you know, the hint. Um, Hi, John. <laughs> you know, we, we tried the uh, Christmas present of aftershave and other smelly spray-ons, deodorants. We tried all that. We tried the law. We tried legalism. We tried motivation by all sorts of activities for this guy to change his life. None of it worked. Then one day, John changed overnight. He came in suited and booted and scrubbed and hair combed, and on his arm was a young lady. (laughs) Listen, love changes everything. The power of love 
motivates change. And that's a funny, silly illustration, but it's true. The gospel affects power in our lives. We were once dead to sin, but now we're alive to do what we want. No, actually. Christian freedom is something we misunderstood. We're not just free to do what we want. We were once enslaved to sin. Now Paul uses that same imagery to say we're enslaved to righteousness. But it's a different kind of enslavement. It's not a legalistic, you must, you should, you ought. It's a compulsion from inside that stirs you to live for him. John Bunyan wrote this little ditty that I say everywhere I go, and it's so helpful. It goes like this. Run, John, run, the law demands, but gives me neither legs nor arms. Better news the gospel brings. It bids me fly and gives me wings. See? The law says run, and we're impotent. We can't do it. We've got no legs or arms. The gospel says now fly, move, momentum, go higher. You think, I couldn't even run. How can I fly? See, Jesus said, the law says, don't kill your brother. I mean, I've actually got through life without doing that. You know, I've obeyed the law. I've I've got through. And then Jesus said, but I say to you, don't hate anyone. Oh, blow. Now, the the law says, don't commit adultery. I've got through life without committing adultery. It's a good thing. The Lord, but Jesus says, now don't lust after your neighbor's wife. I'll blow. <laughs> See, the, the law set a standard, but Christ sets a standard of righteousness. You think, how can we? We couldn't fulfill the law perfectly. How could we fulfill Christ's standard of righteousness? I'll tell you how, because we're born again. There's a new life, power, source within us. We've been united to Christ, and within us is a new energy. It's called the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, which changes our lives and enables us to live for him. It bids me fly and gives me wings. He empowers us for living. And right now, Jesus is putting his finger on a few issues of your life. If you're going to get caught up in mission, then he's going to say, I want you to be obeying me in these issues. Maybe personal issues of how we use our computers. Maybe issues of temper and relationship. Maybe issues of our mind and what we allow our mind to dwell on. Listen, the issue is this. It's not that you've got too much passion. See, I used to think that. I've got too much passion. must subdue my passions. Actually, I haven't got enough passion. My passion is just misplaced. I get passionate about the wrong things. No, actually, he's causing us to get passionate about the right thing. Sam Storm says this, the only thing that will break the power of sin is passion for Jesus. The only thing that will guard me from being entrapped by sin is being entranced by Jesus. See, when we're in love with him, it's easy to follow him. Now, I'm not saying that life is easy. But what I am saying is this, when we follow him, he empowers us to say yes. And he wants us to be a mobile people, a people who are free to move and free to follow his command. Therefore, stop sinning. Therefore, say no to that thing so that we might say yes to Jesus and be a prepared, ready people. Number two, 
there's a compulsion to love what Jesus loves. See, that's what I find. I find couples that come together start to love the things that they, that the other one loves. Things that you didn't love, foods, music, styles of things. Suddenly, when you're in love with somebody, their things become quite attractive. You start to change. You start to love things. There's certain musical tastes that I didn't used to have that I now have because I love Anne. There's certain foods that I love. Well, I love most foods, but there's certain foods that I, because Anne's introduced to, to them. There's certain uh, wines and that Anne's helped me to my palate. All sorts of things have changed because I'm in love with someone. It does affect you. And Jesus wants us to be in love with the things that he's in love with. We really are united with Christ. We really are joined to him. We really are one flesh. This is not a nice little analogy. It's not a pretty little picture. It's truth. You're united to Jesus. And what the passion that Jesus has will become the passion that you have. And the passion that Jesus has is that he might build his church. Is that he might see everywhere communities of faith and love springing up. He is the true apostle. And the true apostle was sent by the Father from heaven to give himself for the world and to love the world and to demonstrate to the world the love of God. To fulfill the Abrahamic promise that in him, in Christ, all families of the earth might be blessed. Now when I'm joined to Jesus, I'm joined to that mission. I thought it was just joining the local church. I thought it was just going to a life group on a Wednesday. No, you're called to change the world. You're caught up in this amazing mission to spread the fame of Jesus everywhere. Now, don't say this. You can't say, I love the head, but I don't love the body. See, I've I've never had a a young man do that. I'm only interested in her head, you know. It's just an intellectual relationship we are after. I bet you are. (laughs) They get interested in the body. Even in the shower, with unhelpful uh, prophetic analogies this morning, (laughs) Keith. (laughs) Too much information. (laughs) Got Tiffany's attention anyway. (laughs) Listen, when we're in love with the head of the church, we're in love with the body of the church, we get caught up in community And in being caught up in community, we get caught up in reproduction because that's what healthy bodies do. Healthy things reproduce. And he is reproducing his church all over the world. He is building his church. Jesus said to the disciples, go and fill all the world. Just as God spoke to Adam and said, go and fill all the world, he spoke to the church and said, go and fill all the world. Go and reproduce yourself All over the world, preach the gospel, cast out demons, heal the sick, preach the good news, declare the kingdom of God. Now, what did the disciples actually do? They planted churches in every community. Because that's what the Spirit, that's how they fulfilled that commission of Jesus. And we're called to plant churches in every province, in every town, in every city, in every gathering point, touching every community touching every strata of society, whether it's from those who live on the fine banks of your river here in those fantastic houses to those who live 
uh, in the place that we don't go an awful lot. Where we fence people off. Where we're slightly embarrassed about our history and our past. Where we don't really like to talk about it. The First Nations. Because God loves the world. And he wants to spread everywhere the flavor and favor and fragrance of Jesus. And how does he do that? Through the local church. There is nothing like the church when she comes alive to show love and compassion and mercy and offer grace to a dying world. It's not a better media we need. It's not a better internet website we need. It's not a better course or strategy or strap line we need. We need to plant church after church after church after church. And if this is in your DNA. I love what uh, Rafaru prophesied this morning. Uh, th- this we, it's, we can't help but reproduce ourselves. Humans can't help but reproduce us themselves. And the church can't help it because Jesus' DNA is in us. And it's just replication, 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 replication. New life, new life, new life, new life. That's what he's called us to do. I am passionate about church planting. And I believe from here, even this morning, are the dandelion seeds of many more church plants. Now, we also need some people to stay, please. (laughs) Amen, says Joe. We need to keep building the trunk. We need to keep keep building strong and keep allowing our roots to go down deep here. We need to multiply this 200 gathering to become 400, 500, 1,000. Because we want to influence the city, because we want to shine a bright light. You see, the church is supposed to be a city set on a hill. It's supposed to be, Jesus said, you don't light a candle... And see, candles aren't, see, our images of candles are all wrong. We think candles are for either power cuts, which we ha- kind of had this morning, didn't we? Did you, no- did you notice the only person who didn't notice? <laughs> Gary. <laughs> he shut his eyes and just prayed, the whole lights go out. I said to Joe, he hasn't even noticed. <laughs> He's caught up in the spirit. He just, just presses on regardless. It's wonderful. Or it's kind of like for romantic evenings, but in the, in the, world that they lived in the first century, it was essential. If you want to have any kind of evening after dark, you needed light, you needed a candle, you needed a lamp. And Jesus said, you don't light a lamp and put it under a table. That would be stupid. You light it and put it high so that the light can shine. We are the light of the world. And we're called to shine in every dark place and in every place in this city. And Jesus spoke twice about the church. It's pretty glorious. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. He talked relationally. If you've got trouble, difficulty, he's very concerned about unity in his church. If you've got trouble or difficulty, sort it out. Go to the brother. If you can't sort it out, go bring it to the church, the gathered community. He twice mentions the church. But let's just get the scales here. He mentions the church twice, but he mentions the kingdom of God which is the activity of the church shining out. The church is the vehicle of the kingdom. The kingdom activity is what we do out from the church, shining into lives and communities. Twice he mentioned the church. What do you reckon? Four, six, 82 times. (laughs) 
he mentions the kingdom. Because we are called to let our light shine. We're called to be salt and light in our communities. Now let me just explain what I mean by this. The danger is when someone like me comes and talks about the church, you think that the pinnacle of your life achievement could be Joe Crummy. How sad is that? <clears throat> and you, you might think this. You might think, if only I'm spotted as a leader, because really, you know, leadership's the thing, they might let me lead a life group. And then they might let me lead a tag team. They might let me lead on a Sunday and preach. If I really keep my nose clean, that they might let me join the eldership. I might, oh wow, I've got a kind of career progress here. The church, you see, because that, you know, it's all about the church, isn't it? And Joe must be sitting on the top of the pile. He must be the guy. He must be the pinnacle of, if only I could aim to be a pastor in the church, I could really fulfill my life's commission. Do you know what? That is wrong thinking. Because Jesus doesn't necessarily want you to be a pastor. He wants you to be what he's called you to be. And that is more likely to be a pastor in the community. It's more likely to be a prophet in the community. It's more likely to be an evangelist in the community. It's more likely to be bringing apostolic wisdom and doctrine and direction into life and into the community. That means that those of you who are called into the medical world, whether it's as a surgeon, doctor, a nurse, or an orderly, whatever, to let your light shine in our medical community. People are desperate in the medical community. There's a desperate need for life and health, literally, in the medical community. People are dying. People are ill. People are suffering. There's so much hospitalization to do with stress and depression. We need to bring life and light into that community. How about the judiciary community? Well, let's lock them up. How about bringing the life and love? of? How about actually doing what Jesus said and going into prisons and serving judiciary systems and being good policemen and women and actually being good judiciaries? See, Jesus wants to change the world. Transform. One day, everything is going to change. One day, the whole globe is going to be totally restored. But he calls us in the meantime to start where we are and let the light shine. Some of you are called into education. Now, you may not be a head teacher like Gary, the principal. You might be a little teacher in a little class. Do you know what? You can change children's lives forever. He's calling those in the arts and media here. See, we tend to back away from that. We tend to think that's a bit dirty. We tend to think that's a bit, you know, oh, weird people are into arts and media. Well, yeah, weird people are. But, you know, we need some Christian weird people. And some of you are they. To get in, to be artists and dancers and painters and producers and writers of scripts. We can either rail against Hollywood or we can change it. See, a few years ago, some of you may or may not have appreciated Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. But what he did was to say, I want to change something. I want to, ch- I want to have a good film about Jesus. At the same time, there was another group who said, you know, we want to change the image of the fantasy world of Hollywood. We want to get some great scripts The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And they produced those fans. That was Christians doing that. 
Now, why can't we do that? In our, now, it might start in small little art centers here, in small little communities here, but we're called, whatever the strata of society you are in, we're called to change it. How about the homeless? How about reaching out to the disadvantaged, the poor and the needy? Who's going to do that? Well, we pay our taxes to do that. In the New Testament, there was no taxation for that. The church rose up and helped. The church was the ones who produced the hospices and the homeless cares and the hospitals and the education systems. The church did these things. And once again, the church, this is an apostolic message of the restoration of all things. And we're called, when we talk about influencing society and running for Jesus and going after him, it is about church planting. But we plant a church in order to shine a light into every aspect of every community and every strata of every life. And God is calling every one of you to do that. Can you see how you're all caught up in this mission? Can you see how you're all caught up in it? Now let me bring this in for a landing because we haven't even turned to the Bible. Let me turn to the Song of Solomon and a slightly unusual passage which is safe. Chapter 5. There's a stirring right now in the spirit. There's an earthquake. There's an epicenter here in Fredericton. There's, there's something going on in the spirit. I don't know if you can hear it. I don't know if you can detect it. I don't know if you can feel it. But there's a moment to respond. Now, my message is this. Love Jesus with all your heart and run after the things that Jesus is calling you to do. Now, Jesus comes... In one sense, he's here all the time. But in another sense, there are special times when Jesus visits us. And this is one of those special times. He's visiting this church with his grace right now. He's always here, but he's specially here now. It's what theologians call the difference between the omnipresence of God, he's here all the time, and the manifest presence of God. Whoa, we know he's here. God is with us. Non-Christians fall down their face saying, whoa, surely God is with us. God is in this place. This is the gateway to heaven. Don't put off responding to the call of Jesus when he comes. Let's have a read chapter 5. This is the beloved. Do you remember who the beloved is? Us, the church. Well done. This is her speaking or her telling her story, if you like. I slept. Are you sleeping? Are you dozy in a day of God's power? I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, the new heart, the new life within you has been awakened today. The flesh might be sleeping, but the heart's awakening. The spirit's awakening. Something's awakening in your heart about God's global mission to fill all the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord through church planting and shining into every community with kingdom activity and living for him. Awake, awake, awake. This is what happens. He then speaks. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. This is what he's saying. It's in quotation marks. He's saying it to her. Open up to me. Come on. Come on, open up. My head is drenched with the dew. My hair with the dampness of the night. And then she, no, sorry. Then she says this. I've taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? Beautiful romantic response to the lover, isn't it? Oh, I've washed my feet. Must I soil them again? So that's her response. He says, Come on, come away. Come, come with me. 
I want intimacy with you. And she says, oh, well, I can't be bothered today. Go away. Stop bothering me. Preacher, stop, stop it. I'm comfortable. I'm thinking about lunch. I'm not, I'm not really bothered about what you're saying. I don't want to get caught up in mission. I'm quite comfortable. Just pat me on the head. Tell me Jesus loves me and I'll be happy. No, he wants something from you. My lover thrust his hand through the latch opening. My heart began to pound for him. I arose to open for my lover. So eventually she stirs. My hands drip with myrrh. My fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the lock. I opened for my lover. But my lover had left. And he was gone. And my heart sank at his departure. I looked for him and couldn't find him. Now, the rest of the story is about a reunion. Listen, don't let it go that far. Do not miss the call of Jesus. He's knocking. See, Jesus writes some letters in the Bible. You didn't know that, did you? You thought, didn't think Jesus wrote a book. He writes some letters in the book of Revelation, dictates them to John. And one of them, he writes and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. We stupidly think that's an evangelistic message. If ever, anyone ever preaches that as an evangelistic message, slap them. It's not about evangelism. It's about Christ coming to the church, saying, won't you let me into the church? I want my church back. I want to speak to the church. Come away with me, church. I want my first love back. I want to call you up into activity in the spirit. That's what Jesus is saying to this church at this time, at this moment. This is an apostolic and prophetic message to catch you up in God's purposes. How are you going to respond. Firstly, we need some pillars. Pillars here in this church. We need some people to say, I am going to stay here. My obedience to Jesus is staying rock solid in New Brunswick, in Fredericton. I'm going to stay and fund and fuel and bless the mission as it goes. Boy, do we need loads of you to say, I'm staying. My obedience is to stay right where I am. My mobility is to stay. My going is to be stationary. And you are, you're as going as the next man because you're stationary here and saying, I'm supporting. Then we need people to say, I am called to go on church planting. I'm called to Vancouver. I'm called to Prince Edward Island, probably more likely in terms of the geographic nature of the Maritimes here. I'm called to Halifax. I'm called to church planting here. I once was in a meeting like this and a man called Krianzak from another nation from Bangkok and Thailand preached a message at Brighton in 1990. I was not thinking about church planting. I didn't want to go on a church plant. I was quite happy never to move. And suddenly he gave an appeal like this and I found myself at the front of the meeting. I have no idea how I got there. Honestly, to this day, I don't know, but I got there. And since then, I've been in, involved in going three church plants and sending about 60 church plants or getting involved with that. Now, God is calling some of you to literally physically get involved with church plants. But I would say there's a majority of us here who are called to be salt and light in the areas that I mentioned before, in business, in education, in healthcare, in the judiciary system, in arts and media, and in influencing the world. God is calling you to stand and to shine like a light where you are and to be a kingdom 
influencer. And my appeal to you is this, as the band come up for the final song, will you move with Jesus? When the lover is calling, and it's a call of love, not a heavy call, I've got to follow him. It's a call of love. It's an entrancement of love. The love of Christ compels us. When the lover calls, will you respond? Now, I'm going to just pray for you. And if you feel, yes, I want to respond to this. So it's a response to stay. It's a response to church plant. It's a response to kingdom involvement in life. But knowing that you're being sent to do that, then I would like you to stand in a moment once I've prayed. Please don't do this because other people do it. Please don't follow a crowd. Please follow Jesus. See, crowds come and crowds go and crowds let you down. But Jesus was with you for always and he'll never let you down. What he commissions and calls in your life. There are people here called to start ministries amongst the poor, needy, and marginalized. It's going to be a kingdom extension into our lives. Now, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to call for response. I'm going to call forth faith out of you. And I believe God is allowing us to do that this morning in the Spirit, to call forth. You might feel there's nothing. That's all right. I'm happy to raise the dead. Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth. And we're going to call some things forth this morning. Lord Jesus, we commit ourselves first and foremost to you. Lord, this is not about the mission. It's about the missioner, the sender. It's about you. It's about glory going to you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we have a very short life. For most of, it, it, most of us, it might be only 60, 70, 80 years. For some of us, even shorter We haven't got much time left, Lord Jesus, and we want to make your name famous. We want to make the glory of our Lord Jesus shine across Canada and go from Canada to the ends of the earth. We want every community, we want the gay community to be affected by the love of Jesus. Lord, we want the young people in our town to be affected by the love of Jesus. As we stand in these wonderful university present uh, buildings, we want them to be affected by the love of Jesus. As we meet people on the streets who are homeless and begging, we want them to be met by the love of Jesus. As we go into enclosures of First Nations, we want them to be affected by the love of Jesus. As we walk along the river and see those massive mansions, we want them to be affected by the love of Jesus. We want our light to shine. We want Christ's life and Christ's love and Christ's light to shine out from us into a dark world, bringing renewal and restoration of all things. We're caught up on a global mission. Lord, today, right now, in Jesus' name, out of passion for Jesus, aligning our bodies and wills with that, we say, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. If you love me, if you love me, obey my commandments.